Hey guys, it's Mark here from ETF Tracker. Welcome to the 10th, that's right, the 10th edition of this week in review that we do and we call Exchange Traded Fridays. Funky name, I know, um, you know, we came up with it ourselves. So yeah, wanted to uh, welcome you guys to this very special edition. We are filming uh, this on Thursday evenings. So it is Thursday the 23rd, but this does go out on the morning of the 24th, uh, so Fridays each week. If you wanna subscribe to the newsletter that we go through, then make sure that you do at etftracker.com.au. But yeah, some of the people that are out there, they just want to listen in on YouTube or listen in on Spotify on their way to work. And for some people I know, work is getting out from the bedroom and going across the hallway to wherever you've got your uh, your laptop and you're working from. But that's okay. You know, things are looking to open up, uh, hopefully wherever you are here in Sydney, where I am, it's, it's looking nice out there just in time for summer, that things are slowly starting to open up. So let's get to the news. What happened during the week? All right, so we've got the latest edition newsletter here. So hopefully you can see all of that if you are watching. If you're listening along, we do these uh, kind of recaps of what's happened in the latest week of action around the globe and not just Australia uh, for ETFs. So we start off with some local articles. Uh, we talk about some global articles. So it's the articles kind of things uh, that, that we do first up. Then we'll take a look at a couple of ETF videos that come out during the week, as well as some podcasts. We do a tweet of the week. Uh, this week, it is from the folks over at Shares for Beginners. Then we take a look at the chart of the week, and there's also some ETF education. And this week, it's brought to you by Van Eck. And uh, the ETF tracker, we've got some app updates that we'll share. And then there's also the ETF tracker forum that you should always check out and, you know, ask some questions in there if you're interested in learning more about ETFs. We are working on a few uh, new things such as a getting started series. And then there's some other details about where to watch. So let's get to it. Let's see what happened in the local news this week. So the first one that comes up is this article here from Money Management. If you're not already subscribed to them, you should definitely check them out. Occasionally they'll have articles on ETFs and many other investing kinds of things uh, out there for the everyday investor. And in this one, it is about Loomis sales. So they've launched a active ETF. And so the article talks about how uh, this ticker will be LSGE. It's gonna list on the ASX. They've already got $144 million in the global equity fund of Loomis sales. And that fund has returned nearly 29% over one year to the 31st of August. And that's according to FE Analytics. And that's versus 30.4% by the global equity sector within the Australian core strategies universe. So it's just a little bit under that, but we know it's really hard. Uh, it's not always easy to actively manage money. So you can't just judge just based on one year. You know, they're on par with their performance. They're just slight underperformance, but definitely worth a look at. The thing with active versus passive, passive tracks a benchmark. And yes, a lot of them have done well and better than most uh, active, but active is built to outperform. So by its very nature, if you believe in what it is that the fund manager is investing in, their investment philosophy, it's well worth having both active and passive in your portfolio. And we see a lot of our guests on the 
uh, interviews with experts, they'll say the same thing. So definitely worth taking a look at. And so you can see that here uh, on the page, the money management article, but we've you know gone through the most uh, details there. So it's just a short one. But if you're interested in more of this stuff from uh, money management, then yeah, you can definitely check out the website and you can see more details there. So the next one is another ETF announcement. And this one is from our friends over at eInvest. And so there's this Daintree Hybrid Opportunities Fund, and that's a managed fund. And that's gonna launch on the ASX later in the year. It's gonna go under the name DHOF. And so this is an article with the details about uh, this new Daintree fund, which will be um, under the eInvest Active ETF series. So there's a couple of details here, such as what the latest unit price is. You've got some fact sheets and application form. Obviously you always have the product disclosure statement there. And if you're a direct investor or an advisor, you've got some links there that can show you some further, further details. Uh, the risk return profile they've got here, that's a medium one. It distributes income quarterly. Uh, the minimum investment here is for those that are looking for the, the managed fund. But because this is going to list on the ASX, right? Because it's going to go there, you're going to get a chance to buy it as an ETF where you can buy it through your favorite ETF provider that you already, uh, sorry, broker, um, retail broker that you're already using. So you might buy, buy a Perla, Six Park, Macro. It could be one of the banks, could be Stockspot. Any of those ones that are out there, um, definitely take a look and see whether or not the DHOF uh, ETF is going to be listed there. But this is going to list later in the year. So definitely worth taking a look at uh, that one as that managed fund. Um, so the other one is ETF security. So we're a little bit light on the weekly news. There were quite a few videos. There's a couple of things we want to show you in the app update. So we'll get to those soon. But yeah, just in terms of articles, not too much um, this week that we wanted to highlight. But we'll take a look at the ETF Securities Weekly Monitor. But before we get into that, they always have a little description about what's happened during the week. And it's always interesting to read that. And I was always writing down, you know, taking a look and like, okay, what are some of the things to highlight? They already do it. So this comes out each Tuesday. Make sure that you sign up. You can get it in your email, or perhaps you just want to go to ETF Securities, click on the resources uh, tab at the top, and then go down to where the monitors are and ch uh, check that out. So this week, what happened? Um, markets retreated, uh, and this sorry, this is for the week ending 17th of September. So it comes out on Tuesday of the following week for the week before. But last week, they were already talking about Evergrande. Uh, so markets retreated last week on the back of fears from China's Evergrande and free fall in iron ore prices. We did see some iron ore prices bounce back a little bit in recent days, but this was last week. This caused an increased demand for the US dollar and it strengthened against the G8. The best performance of the week were um, triple O. So that's the beta shares crude oil index. I was up 3.4%, as well as the strong US dollar hedge fund Yank. Y-A-N-K, that was up 2.7%. And below we've highlighted the trading volume reports. So if you click on the actual uh, report here, you'll be able to see that you can download the monitor. There's some further details here. They talk about flows. They also talk about a few other things such as like the Nifty 50 index and the two Indian, uh, well, the one Indian ETF in this case, um, NDIA they're talking about, but there's another one called IIND. So yeah, definitely worth uh, taking a look at there. And that's under the ETF securities monitors. 
All right, so we're over to the global articles and there's a couple here. So the first one is from Bloomberg and it's related to the tickers. Um, it's the, t the, the one that we looked at a couple of weeks ago where it was all about the gray market for tickers and what's in a name for the tickers. And if you didn't already know, uh, what basically is the story um, around tickers that you might see in the news is that if a ticker has a memorable name, ETF, equity, whatever it is, right? If it's got a memorable name, then it's more likely to outperform peers that are very similar. So when I, I think about peers in, in this case, think about uh, ETFs, for example, the robotics ETFs, there's two of those, RBTZ and Robo. And so what this article is saying is that the ETFs or the equities that have had better more memorable kind of names, even though they might be similar in profile, they have the same underlying holdings or they have very correlated kind of returns. Typically, not always, but typically you will see that the ones with the more memorable name are the ones that have actually um, attracted more investors. So you could have two ETFs or, or equities that have the same kind of returns, but one of them has much more money in it many more investors that are looking at that just because of that memorable name. So it's something worth looking at if you're a ETF provider or anyone that is looking to, you know, buy into uh, ETFs and stocks that, uh, you know, you, you want those ones that have that more um, number of shareholders or larger funds under management. It's, it's worth looking at um, and considering articles like this. It's not always the case, but yeah, it's certainly interesting. So, in this one here, they take a look at um, a couple of uh, stories. So for example, there was this company called Ginkgo Bioworks that was set to trade and it was going under the name DNA. Uh, so it was the first time that a company has been able to go under DNA ever since Roche Holdings, which originally had that um, back in 2000, uh, since 2009, they were the original holders of that ticker, but then they let that go. So the article goes through that a little bit about ticker philosophy. So for all of you history heads that out there, you can take a look back to when tickers first started. And it looks like it was back in the 1860s. And now there's 11,000, over 11,000 tickers on the major US exchanges. So that's according to um, NASDAQ. And what we did is we also linked back to the article that uh, Bloomberg had previously, the hunt for the hottest tickers creates a new gray market on Wall Street. So definitely worth looking at that one there as well as uh, this one. So what is a good stock ticker? Definitely you, you need to take a look at uh, this Bloomberg article. Uh, I think if you don't have a subscription, you can sign up uh, for free and you get a limited view. So you get a few articles a month. I think it might be three uh, or more. It probably is just three. Um, but anyway, we're signed up, so it's all good. It's not too bad. You know, they've got a nice introductory office. So check that out. Um, Bloomberg wants to sponsor me, feel free, shout out, I'm right here. But, you know, taking a look at some of the interesting ETF names. So there's Hack, which in the US is under ETFMG. Um, it's their prime cybersecurity ETF. It's provided here under another issuer. I think it's um, ETF securities um, or it might be beta shares. So don't quote me on that, but we can check with the data. Um, so Hack is there. Uh, there's also Toke because I've got Cannabis as something that is investable over there. It's yet to be legalized here, who knows, but um, TOKE, and if you are a, 
uh, aware of that parlance in that uh, community, you'd understand how that relates there to cannabis. And then obviously there is other ones like ARK and it's various series of ARK Invest type ETFs. So definitely worth a look. They talk about how to pick, um, how companies go ahead with picking a ticker and a bit more details about that. Ticker confusion, that's interesting because we see it still to this day. Um, I did a little bit of work uh, not too long ago for someone, uh, for, for a company that was looking at um, the meme type stocks. And I remember here in Australia that whilst the whole kind of GameStop saga was going on, GME, that was the ticker GME, you saw it all over the news had nothing to do with the GME ticker here in Australia. And yet the GME stock also had a lot of uh, inflows into it here in Australia because people thought they were getting into GameStop here. So yeah, there, there is a bit of ticker confusion that can uh, go on and definitely a bit of buyer beware. So they talk about Robin Hood um, a little bit there. So that's that article, definitely worth a look. Uh, this one is a new one from a provider that we don't often look at, but it, came across our attention uh, during the week because it was all about is the ETF revolution coming to an end? Now, uh, you know, you could say that the ETF market has heated up. Whether it's still going to continue is anyone's guess. Um, I think there's still a lot of tailwinds uh, that can push that further ahead. Some of the things that um, get talked about, for example, is that Australia is a very similar kind of market to what's going on in Canada. And in the US uh, as well, like for example, over there, the amount that the US, uh, I think the ETFs over there make up, and maybe it's similar in Canada as well, the amount that ETFs make up of the whole market is at a much higher percentage than what ETFs make up for the Australian market here. And if that was to be the case, just how much the market could grow here, we're at 125 billion. Maybe by the time, you know, um, September wraps up, it'll be 130 or so, and we'll be well on our way to getting to 140 by the end of the 2021. But it could be well more than that if we were at the same kind of levels that other markets are. But uh, other markets are different for various reasons. So, you know, we'll definitely take a look. But what this article talks about, it poses the question uh, as to whether ETFs have gone too far, especially as there's been low interest rates and government stimulus coming into the market. And so that's put a lot of money into the hands of investors. When that starts to run out, as interest rates start to increase, things begin, uh, get more expensive. What happens to the flow of ETFs? Probably will slow down, but does it have enough steam to keep on going? So as per the article, they talk about another concern is that ETFs may have contributed to the madcap market growth by throwing investor funds at the market's big winners, especially big US tech companies. So that's the issue that potentially um, there's a lot of these bigger company names that are just getting, uh, so the, the bigger companies that make up more of the market cap of a particular index that your ETF tracks. And if you're buying into that ETF, that means more money is going into those particular companies and it's just making them bigger and bigger, which will uh, kind of sway the market in a certain way towards the, the bigger kind of companies. So worth a, worth a look at there. And they also talk about the issues and throwing money at passive indexes because index tracking can lead to inefficiency. That's because most ETFs pick stocks purely on market cap. So yep, same um, part of that same kind of topic there. They don't reward superior profitability, return on equity or capital efficiency. And there's more questions in the article. So we'll take a quick, 
a little quick look at that. I'll take a little drinks break. All right, so uh, this one was just published on the 20th of September. And as I mentioned, they, they talk about those particular uh, kind of topics about market cap. They also interview a couple of people here. So there's Damien Maltwood from Kulta Cheviot, uh, the Jersey office. He applauds how ETFs have given private investors access to equity, bond, commodity, and other uh, asset markets at minimal cost, but says all they do is echo market sentiment. So, you know, to judge whether ETFs are out of control, one must consider if market sentiment is out of control. Given that global stock markets are repeatedly breaking record highs, even though the economy has been ravaged by an unprecedented pandemic that isn't over, market sentiment is certainly uh, well questionable. So they talk about that there. They do have this video, uh, well, actually a sound bite that plays. Um, so let's have a look. So you can actually listen to the whole thing. So let's let's skip through and uh, get to some sound bites. You're a financial professional. So what would you? How would you encourage someone to think perhaps outside their personality type? If somebody's naturally cautious and feels the safest option for their money is is to keep it in the bank, how do you perhaps help them think outside of that? And I'm not sure I would help people think outside their personality type or change their thinking, but really help them develop greater self-awareness around the balconies and the basements of why they make the decisions they do. So yeah, that's another supporting kind of, uh, I guess, yeah, podcast that's going along with this article. So definitely check um, that one out. We're new to, you know, the whole Nash, the national news um, uh, website. So it's certainly a new source for us and hopefully we can you know, get some more great articles out of it over time. They throw out a couple of numbers here and we love the numbers. So they talk about this one as an example, the world's largest ETF is the Spider S&P 500 from State Street. And we see that that is listed here under SPY. That's currently, uh, it has a thumping, sorry, $402 billion under management. And uh, fun fact, it was one of the first ETFs out there and the first to list in the ASX. So it was one of the first globally. And when ETFs came to the market 20 years ago in Australia in 2001, August 27, um, it was also the, one of the first ETFs here. So when investors buy that fund, more money goes into the big guns that make up the S&P 500 rather than those sitting outside. So is there a bit of inefficiency that goes to towards just those bigger players rather than the companies that are, you know, up and coming that have uh, good potential for profitability. That's definitely a question that they've got here. So they talk about the market cap, as we had mentioned, um, they also talk about actively managed funds. So um, actively managed funds have an inbuilt disadvantage because higher charges are a drag on returns. One that managers struggle to overcome because consistently meet beating the market is difficult. And this will continue to be to make the case for low cost investing. Uh, that's what makes the case for low cost investing so powerful. And it's true, right? But that's not to say that there is no room for um, active funds. I think you do need active funds and there's various reasons why. So for example, if you're into green investing and if you don't have an actively managed fund, there is a stronger potential for greenwashing, which can occur from time to time. Um, but if you're with an active ESG, so for example, IMPQ, then there's something there where they can uh, rebalance on a more frequent kind of basis. They can actively talk to management. 
they don't have to just follow what's in a particular index. So there's room for changes when the index isn't doing what you need it to do. And on the other side, that's in equities, uh, in the bond space, what's interesting is that there's all this talk about when rates will rise. And if you're in a bond ETF, and if it's got long dated bonds, in the, the world of fixed income, as interest rates rise, it's the longer dated bonds with um, corporate and government bonds that are well out into the future. They're the ones that are gonna be affected most negatively. And so active managers have that opportunity to move and shift into short dated bonds. And so that's something worth looking at uh, for you know that kind of market risk there. So yeah, definitely take a look at this. There's a bit more detail in the article here. And then another one here is from the NASDAQ and they've got this one, which is all about active fixed income ETF. So we just talk about bond ETFs, otherwise known as active fixed, otherwise known as fixed income. And this is on um, the active fixed income ones. And we just said in the article that it's interesting because we actually had uh, Matt Holberton from Fidante on Wednesday talk to us in our interviews with expert series all about active fixed income. So definitely worth a look at with uh, this article here. So if we click on it, there's a couple of details in here. They talk about um, a couple of specific ETFs over there in the US, actively managed fixed income. They've gathered 17% share of category net inflows thus far in 2021. And that's despite active ETFs overall managing just 4% of industry assets. So active ETFs over there in the US, it's only 4% of the whole market, but in the world of fixed income, it's 17%. So there's definitely an argument for active uh, fixed income, you know, something to, to look at. And they go over a couple of details in here. There's a cool chart on the page that they're showing here. The first one that comes up, which is active fixed income ETFs gaining traction and looking at total ETF assets, how much of that is passive versus active. It's a small portion, 4%. Fixed income ETF assets, it's a bigger percentage. Okay, so over 10% that they're showing here. And then fixed income um, year-to-date flows, more money has been going into um, fixed income year-to-date uh, than what it is as size of the whole market. So definitely worth a look at there. And the reasons why, so many turning to active um, managers as the bond market is large and complex. So complexity is also another reason to look at it. Um, you might want to be you know, particularly active and pick particular ETFs, or maybe you don't necessarily wanna do that and you either wanna pick an ETF that's already diverse, such as the BetaShares series like DHHF, or the Vanguard series with VDHG and these other diversified kind of ETFs, which hold different ETFs within them at different allocation rates. Um, there's other ETF providers that provide those kinds of ETFs that you can buy on the big four banking um, kind of trading platforms or via the retail brokers. And then there's also ones like Stockspot, which will put you into a particular category. So as a financial advisor, they can um, query you and see what kind of risk profile uh, you fit into and recommend you go into a certain type of our category of ETF that's already picked how much of, you know, different ETFs they'd actually want uh, for that risk profile. So it's worth a look at. And they talk about here a little bit about PIMCO being an early entrant into the, uh, the active fixed income market and remaining a key provider. And they also talk about some of the other 
uh, ETF issuers with strong active fixed income ETF franchises. So there's First Trust, JP Morgan, and State Street Global Advisors there in the US. Here in Australia, you've got a few as well. We mentioned Fidante, E-Invest is quite a few of those. And the, the bigger providers uh, like BetaShares, uh, State Street, I think have a few and, and more. So definitely worth a look at. Yep, Van Eck as well. Um, so uh, this article here is all uh, about that active fixed income and that rounds out uh, the global articles. So let's get to the videos, uh, another exciting part. And first up, I wanted to show you this because it's part of a new thing that we're gonna be doing here at ETF Tracker. And I think I've had some good feedback on these so far. So yes, you know, we have these weekly podcasts and it goes through the news if you missed it. I did this to start off with just to help keep myself updated, you know, as to what's going on in the market. But because I was collecting all this stuff, I thought, why not share? Let's put it in a newsletter. Because it's in a newsletter, people wanted to listen to it and watch it. So, you know, we're doing that too. But I also wanted to do some of these um, showcases of how you can use ETF Tracker. And one of the ways that we're gonna do that is with a couple of videos. So we've released a, we've released a few and we're gonna add some more there. So one of the latest ones was searching for Evergrande exposure in our Aussie ETFs. And as a caveat, you know, we cover about 90% of the passive ETF market. Um, active ETFs, it's a little bit smaller there and we're continuing to grow our coverage, but it's um, 150 equity ETFs. There's about 20 plus fixed income ETFs. It's a bit harder to do the comparisons on those, but let's take a look at this video and I'll show you how we use the holdings tool. I wonder if I've got sound on. Okay, I don't. ETF tracker, and I just wanted to go through something that's been in the news uh, the, pretty much this whole week. We're gonna fast forward. So let's take a look to where we're actually going through the article, uh, well, not the article, the data. Holdings area. So let me just expand the screen here so you can see what you can do. Uh, what you will be able to see here is there is a couple of search features here. If we type in, when I can type, uh, Evergrande, Evergrande G being the group. So we can see the ticker here. So yeah, basically I've got these videos where I'm showing and they're only, you know, maybe at most four minutes, but typically two minutes, three minutes or so. Just showing, and, and in this case, it's going through where you can look at Evergrande in particular. Um, and you can look up other companies that are related to that. And so we did Kogan the other day because Kogan was spoken about by our friends over at Equity Mates and uh, they had Russell and Kogan on the show. And if you're interested in Kogan and seeing how much it makes up of particular ETFs, you could do that with the ETF Tracker app. We only cover um, six of the providers, but they are six of the major providers that are out there. And then the other one to the holdings app is the ETF snapshots. So we saw that VDHG, the Vanguard Diversified High Growth Fund is often spoken about in the various kind of platforms uh, to talk about stocks, whether it's Reddit, um, it's other forums out there, it's Facebook groups, um, VDHG is spoken about a lot. So what I wanted to show people is that how you can actually get into the ETF tracker from the website click on um, one of the menu options, which is uh, underneath the app and you can go to the ETF snapshots page and you can simply type in or you can uh, scroll down and search a VDHG. And what you get shown on the page is this uh, little bit of detail here, which has um, a couple of key notes about VDHG. 
There is the provider, there's the category it sits in, the full name, uh, the benchmark that it tracks where that information is available, as well as, as a description. We also have fund details, so the fund website. So we link to that. So instead of having a Google, you can just stay within the app, click on the fund website, and then it will take you directly to that page. And we also have a Google finance link there as well, because whilst we get data each month, um, it doesn't include daily data um, for pricing. So we get the monthly total returns uh, from the ASX and ChiX, but if you wanted to get the up-to-date pricing and how that's changed over the past week, past two weeks, before we've got the update, uh, you, can, you can look at that in Google Finance and compare how that looks versus other ETFs. The six charts that are on the page relate to the key metrics that we get from the ASX and ChiX. And so it relates to returns. It relates to size. So that's net inflows and FUM. Um, we only show uh, net inflows on this snapshot page, but you can click to go into further detail once you're in the app. We look at transactions and we highlight the number of trades. We look at tradeability and we highlight the spread percentage, but there's also liquidity in there. And as a measure, you want to have something that is uh, lower in terms of spread and it's got uh, uh, high liquidity. So you want high liquidity, low spread. It just means it's easily traded. But that's not to say that something is, that's the opposite, something you should avoid. What you've got to do with all of these metrics is measure them against what you're getting. What's the risk versus what's the potential return? And if you're comfortable with that, then yeah, it's okay. So, you know, this is just showing what the data is that's out there. So. That's that particular video. And so, like I said, in the video section, we're gonna do more of these. So keep an eye out. And if you are on uh, Instagram, so we've got an Instagram page that I'm just throwing up on the screen right now, slowly growing the followers. Um, you know, whenever we, uh, whenever you start a um, page, you, you follow people and um, not all of them necessarily like will follow you back, but you, you start commenting and you start sharing your materials. We finally hit that stage where we've got an even number of followers with the people that we're following. So hopefully we can grow this a little bit further. But I do put um, some of the interviews that we do. I put some of the ETF analysis things on the page as well. Um, yeah, so definitely check that out. Give us a follow. That'd be great. I'll follow you back. Uh, and then there's also, um, you know, if if you want, um, I think some people have it on, uh, you know, you got a request and totally okay. We don't necessarily have to follow um, you back, but definitely follow us if you want your ETF news. And then there's another one on Twitter. Uh, we are doing more there in the last couple of days than we have before. So I kind of started it at the start of the year, but then left it alone a little bit as I was trying to grow a few other things. But I think Twitter is also like a good area as well, because you can string and chain these, you know, bits of analysis together in short, sharp kind of, you know, bite-sized chunks there. So it's a little bit more, um, it's a little bit different kind of medium than Instagram. And some people prefer Twitter to Instagram, whatever you prefer, where we're trying to do more there. I am looking at uh, ways to improve my TikTok game, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a while before that. All right, so we'll get to the Ausbiz videos. There's a few that came out this week and last week. So the first one uh, that we'll highlight is from a few days ago, 21st of September. Um, it's called Three Minutes, One Great Investable Idea. And this was with Blair Modica from BetaShares. He's talking about hack. 
because there was a federal cybersecurity center report that they reference in the video and how investors can play uh, the theme via ETFs and that's via BetaShares hack. I know earlier in the article in, in this podcast, I said, you know, where, where was hack? Is it ETF securities or BetaShares? It's BetaShares should have known um and it's a growing cybersecurity industry i've got mates that work in cybersecurity and yeah it is something that is constantly at the attention if you're working in digital in data in anything technology wise so take a look at that if you want to play that one this one here is from the day before and it's eInvest's newest and greatest esg friendly idea and so this is one of those active etfs and i just mentioned that before so emily o'neill uh, she's going to be on the show in a few weeks' time. Um, so she's one of the portfolio managers over there at eInvest. She's the head of ESG. And she shares some tips on identifying the next great ESG-friendly uh, superstar for your portfolio. And in this case, it's Calix CXL. And just to take a look at Ausbiz here, uh, if you do go to it and you haven't signed up already, I think you can watch a couple of seconds of the videos i can't remember how long that is there's been changes to the website you know um and i'm always like just signed in so like i don't notice these but um you can see cara and uh emily here and they're talking about uh calyx which is being looked at putting getting put into the impq fund and so yeah you can definitely check out this video, but they've got a lot of other great content here on Ausbiz. Uh, if you tag the experts, the topics, areas of interest that you've got, when you go to your For You page, what you'll get is all of those in one area. There's also a um, bell icon here, so it will highlight when there's things that are of interest and you've got the search function there as well. And they've also improved that search, search function. Uh, I'll say it right, search function, okay? so. Definitely worth taking a look at whether you're into the markets, share markets, it could be equities, and it could also cross over into ETFs. You might be interested in Bitcoin. And they've got something there with their forecast partnership. So forecast news out of Singapore. And then there's also the guys over at Equity Mates. So each afternoon they'll do something in the Equity Mates community. And that's a show that we've been on. We've been very lucky to be on that show to share, you know, all the work that we're doing across the ETF landscape with data. And they've also got stuff on startups. So whether you're a budding startup and you want to get your voice out there, they talk to startups or you're interested in what startup space is doing. Definitely take a look at that. Okay, so that is uh, this e-invest video and shout out to Emily over there. But yeah, check out Ausbiz. And then there's this other one on three ETFs to take advantage of a surge in Japanese equities. And so we've got Andrew Whelan from DP Wealth Advisory. So he joins Ausbiz to discuss the recent rise in Japanese equity markets. Japanese equities were steady for the last 12 months, up 13% versus the US up 35%, but they've been on a tear over the past two weeks, says Andrew. So if you take a look at that one, Andrew is on the show quite a bit. He's on the call sometimes, and um, he's mentioned Qual, which I think, I suspect it's his favorite ETF. Um, I could be wrong. So yeah, definitely take a look at this uh, and have a listen. See if he mentions Qual in there. There's a good bet that he does, um, or I might be wrong. So take a look at that one there about those Japanese um, equities and that surge. And then we get to the compound. So there's two videos here, and I think they're actually up to three videos that they do a week. So they've certainly had a surge in popularity. 
The first one that we highlight is um, the What Are Your Thoughts series. And this one uh, talks about there's too much money and it's ruining everything. And so Michael Batnick and Josh Brown, they talk about Evergrande uh, or as they call it, uh, Evergrande. And yeah, it just it just sounds like a Starbucks type of coffee. You know, what are you ordering? I'll have the Evergrande. I won't. Um, and they talk about Evergrande. Uh, is the you know news overblown? Is there a chance that it will fall over? Will it be a Lehman Brothers type event, or is it more like a LTCM? And LTCM was long term capital markets, uh, capital management, I think. And that was a big kind of failure that uh, was in a few years before Lehman Brothers. So definitely worth a look at for the history buffs out there. They talk about the SPAC asset class looking like it's done. It certainly does. I remember when there were all of these SPACs for different things, whether it was a company like Nikola listing and buying into that via the SPAC, and then it eventually turned into Nikola and, you know, being able to ride that way, but it certainly looks like it is over according to the show. And they also talk a little bit at the end um, that relates to ETF investors uh, as they talk about stocks versus passive funds. It's a lengthy show, but the good thing is, is that they do chop it up into chapters and it's something we recently learned how to do as well. So it's worthwhile skipping ahead to take a look at that if you're only interested in the ETF side. And then in this one here, they take a look at um, their fr uh, Compound and Friends episode. So it's number 15, and this is titled The Market Will Never Go Down Again. And in this episode, they bring in Haley uh, and Dan Nathan. Um, I should put Haley's full name in there. I will add that. And they chat about how much steam has been building behind this bull market and whether they've seen this kind of thing before. And they say that we have, you know. Um, so, you know, that's a spoiler there. Definitely been some bearish sentiment there as well. So, they they talk about, you know, where the market has been before. Have they seen this kind of thing? They also talk about Robinhood in the choice between um, that stock and Uber and what each panelist prefers. And it is different across the panel. So, it's interesting to take a look at. An interesting quip that they had from this part of the show is that, um, they thought that Robinhood has done more for sports betting than we could have imagined because what they're saying is that when sports betting first went away, because sports went away, all of these customers, they got into trading for the first time and they got used to all of the different options that you have on Robinhood and other types of trading apps. And so what ended up happening is when sports came back, DraftKings one of, and, and other types of sports betting apps out there, they all had to step up their game and they provided even more services to a customer base that's now expecting things like in-game options to trade on and more. So over here, you know, we've got Sportsbet and various other kind of betting providers. And so I think we've had more betting, sports betting here because it hasn't been a, a legal thing to necessarily do all over the US until the apps came about. And I think there was like quite a few kind of hoops they had to jump through to get that. But yeah, certainly interesting how the knock-on effects of uh, trading behavior have affected one market from another. And then in the podcast, there is the ETF Edge, Navigating the Global Slowdown. So the main host there, Bob Bassani, he talks with Arn Nowak of Systematic Investment Solutions at DWS Group, and Dan Wiener, the chairman of Advisor Investment and editor of the Independent Advisor for Vanguard Investors. And what they discussed was the factors fueling the sharp moves lower, and they also discuss, discuss Evergrande or Evergrande, however you want to pronounce it.
And then we get to the ETF tracker show that we had this week. It was interviews with experts and it was episode six. And that is the fixed income specialist. And we brought on Matt Holberton, as I mentioned before. We learned all about fixed income ETFs and how they fit into ETF portfolios. And then fun fact is even though they're not as well traded as equity ETFs, the bond market is far bigger than the equity markets. You can Google it, you can look it up, or you can just trust me. It is a heck of a lot bigger. So definitely worth a look out there. And yeah, here's a quote from Matt on that. Tweet of the week. We are at that stage, the tail end of the episode here. So tweet of the week is from our friend, Phil Muscatello. He is someone who's doing um, a couple of different podcasts. He does a few things for the Australian Shareholders Association. So you might've seen him from there. He's also got two shows. One is focused on the Aussie market for retail traders. It's called Shares for Beginners. There is a US version as well, and that's called Stocks for Beginners. So he brings on different guests for both of those shows, focus on the US market, focus on the Australian market. But the key is that all of the people that he brings on, they're experts in their field and their craft, and they talk about various things. In this episode, he talks with John Winters from Superhero, and some of our audience members, they're already probably uh, users of Superhero. And Superhero has done really well, you know, starting out as an idea for superannuation, riding the retail wave, uh, sorry, retail trading phasing and building and really easy to use and mobile friendly kind of app that a lot of investors flock to. And uh, as investors flock to that, it just increased this need for um, investor education and it led to what we're trying to do here at ETF Tracker. So, you know, it's a nice thing to see more of these uh, kind of podcasts talking to those people that are creating and doing more things for not just the ETF markets, but also the retail investing markets in general. So worth a look at this episode. And if you're interested in more talks like this, there's even um, a, a four part series on the history of the New York Stock Exchange. And that features our good friend, Kenny Polcari, who's a four, former, I think he still goes on um, CNBC and other various US shows there. He was a floor trader on the New York Stock Exchange. He'd been there for 30 plus years. He'd seen many things. And so um, first two parts were out a couple of months ago and then parts three and four recently came out. So you've got all four parts of that series along with all of these other episodes that Phil has. So that is the tweet of the week. Check that out. Here we go, the chart of the week. And I thought I'd include something a little bit different. And we're a fan of this website called The Visual Capitalist. I often see it on LinkedIn, sometimes even on Facebook, but these are things that they create, cool infographics about various topics. It's not always financial markets. It could be about health and wellness and um, other types of things going on out there. It's not all just finance. But this one here is a couple of years old, but I was searching around and I'm like, let's take a look at what they've done in the world of ETFs. And what they've got here is, uh, we'll actually go to it. So I include a short snippet of the full, uh, the full infographic, but it scrolls down and down and down the page. So you've definitely got to uh, take a look at this online. Uh, they talk about what is an exchange traded fund, a little bit of details here and a couple of infographics and the growth of the price of these over time. They also talk about uh, a couple of facts about uh, these ETFs and the different types of ETFs that are out there. And then they also go through this timeline and it's the timeline that we included as part of the newsletter, but starting off in Canada, 
So yes, the US, even though they applied for it there, it was first granted in Canada. It took four years from 1989 when it was first thought up to actually list in the US. And then it eventually got to Asia, then around Europe in 2001. Australia's not included there, but it did get into Australia in 2001 as well. Um, 2014, there's 1,500 plus ETFs in the US. Um, 2009, there's 1,000 traded on US exchanges. And then across the world, um, they've got here, 2002, there were 246 ETFs across the world. Now in 2016, sorry, I've gone kind of gone backwards there. I should have done with the world 246, then 1,000 US, 1,500 US in 2014. And now in 2016, um, so they did this in 2018. So, you know, it wasn't too outdated by then. It was just under 5,000 ETFs traded globally. It's well over that. I don't have the figures here. So, you know, we'll have to look that up. But there's a couple of pros and cons to this as well that they list here on the infographic. But yeah, it's a nice one that they've done. Check out the rest of the stuff that is going on at Visual Capitalist. And now we get to the further ETF education. And this one is all about Moshe investing with Van Eck. And in this article, we learn, uh, we, we go to the Van Eck Learning Hub and they go through various sources of economic moats as identified by modeling provided by Morningstar and the ETFs that can be leveraged with these. Okay, so when we take a look at this, uh, they've got here a couple of the different ETFs that they provide that follow that moat kind of philosophy. And that's the Morningstar's economic moat trademarked. Um, so there is the moat ETF. So that's Van Eck Vectors Morningstar wide moat ETF. And then there's the Van Eck Vectors Morningstar World X Australia wide moat. And that's called GOAT, great name. And then there's also the Van Eck Vectors Morningstar Australian Moat Income ETF. So if you're after an ETF to provide you that regular kind of income in particular, as well as returns, then there's DVDY. So they talk about the different sources of moats, a description about those and just further details about evaluating that. So that's in the ETF uh, in further ETF education area. So take a look at that. And then at the end, we've got the various ETF tracker resources. So we've got the app, the main ETF tracker app, and then there's also holdings and holdings. We started off just listing three different providers in separate applications. Then we eventually brought it up to six. And more recently, we worked on a way to combine all of those into an ETF holdings comparison tool. And with that combined tool, what it means is that we can assess and analyze uh, things that are going on in the news, whether it's searching for where Evergrande or Kogan or any other particular stock has ETF exposure to the ETFs that we cover, or it's the other way around. And you've got a particular kind of ETF portfolio, or you're interested in comparing and contrasting a couple of other ETFs, you can use the compare ETFs function and see how similar or dissimilar they are. And so what we were thinking about is that, and you know, this has always been in the plans, but as we've seen a lot of people using the holdings tool and then also using the ETF tracker tool, we wanted to eventually merge these. Now we put in a lot of work to actually accelerate that merging. So ETF tracker will just be the one app rather than having to go to different pages. So something is coming very, very soon. So keep an eye out, but the ideal world would be all of this is just in one easy to use app. 
Now it's easy to use if you're on desktop, we don't have a mobile app, but for mobile users that are coming to ETF Tracker, you have a lot of the articles, there's the videos, the podcasts you can listen to. We've got the links where you can go to Google Finance and you can take a look at all of the groupings that we've created there so you can check out what is going on across say the technology or factor-based or smart beta as it's also called or property or different kinds of ETF groupings that we've created and we'll continue to add to those. So check that out. But yeah, that's it. So look, it has been a wonderful week in the world of ETFs. Um, we're delighted to always be helping you understand what has been going on in the news. And if you're on Reddit, or if you're on Facebook across one of those, uh, whether it's an ETF group or it's an investing group, you'll often find us commenting there. So check that out and definitely try the ETF tracker app on desktop. It's free. So hopefully it can help you with your investment journey. We are creating another new series that will be a list of different articles on not just how to get started, but how to look at the data and what it is that the data is actually showing you. So we're always adding things like that. If you have ideas for things that you want to see, please feel free to shout out. We're always open to whether people message us uh, via our email, they message me on Facebook, you know, because I'm part of those ETF groups that are out there and investing groups. I'm open to all of that kind of stuff. We're just here to make sure that uh, people are recognizing that there's a lot of great data out there. And as everyone says with ETFs, you've got to look under the hood. Well, we lift up that hood we show you the data and we're trying to make it easy to use. So hopefully you've found all of this insightful. We will see you next time and please do share, like, and subscribe. Take care guys. See ya.